Hey, this is Talk Show. This is the web's premier web talk show. A lot of web internet talk show about all of your favorite topics, all my favorite topics like Gnosticism, Gnosis, Mysticism, Ancient Religions, Paganism, Witchcraft, Magic, Meditation, <laughs> Creativity, Arch, Theater, Witches, Missing Witches, and anything else we feel like talking about. I'm Deacon Jonathan Stord. Joining me tonight is special guest host Jason. Hi, Jason. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Exciting to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, glad you're back as always. Um, obviously, we'd like to have our, our regular uh, co-host, Lainey Peterson, but we, we mix it up with about half the Gnostics in the world coming on as co-hosts. Uh, but very exciting to have you here, Jason. Uh, I think particularly with our guests tonight, there, there's going to be a lot to connect to and to talk about. And our guest tonight, the king of the segues. I just did it. We have the the hosts and creatresses uh, and writers and everything else behind the missing witch podcast project uh risa and amy hello tez say hello and just give us a, a quick whatever you're about not the project yet but just you you risa and amy <laughs> hi jonathan it's hey. nice to see your face and hear yeah. your voice i'm so excited to be on the show it's such a a laser-like focus, <laughs> um, you know, just really, really honed it in on Gnosticism and all good things. Um, I've known Jonathan for a really long time, long before Missing Witches. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm the co-creator of Missing Witches with uh, with Amy Torak. We uh, we write and met making music and realized we both made shit happen and we're interested in magic and wanted to talk about it. And we uh, we just were sort of like feminist historians without realizing that's what we wanted to be when we grew up, even though we were in our forties or whatever. So, um, and we we stumbled into that, that work, this sort of overlap between um, feminist history and and magic and spirituality and, and wit. And, and sort of inter intersectional knowledge, like what what is this stuff that that's been missing, and specifically for us, like what was missing for us from 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 the world of us, like what did we went looking for what we needed, and that was sort of the birth of the project. And that's not what you asked for at all. You just want to know about me, but I'm I'm just like a, a human in a house. I have a kid. I'm tired. I don't know. I'm fine. It's COVID era. Everything's fucked up. <laughs> I hear that. Amy, similar. Uh, yeah, uh, every, every, pretty much everybody I know is breaking down right now. So we'll start there with the how are you's like, good enough, good yeah. enough, considering the times, it's all relative, right? But, uh, you know, just for your listeners at home, you're not the only one. Everybody is breaking down right now. It's cool. Just let it out. Just have a good cry um, or a good laugh, you know, yeah. laughing and crying. You know, it's the same release, like Joni Mitchell said. Um, and, uh, yeah, speaking of Joni Mitchell, that's kind of, uh, I, I fancy myself in an ideal world somewhere sort of halfway between Joni Mitchell and John Waters, sort of like a, <laughs> a, a counterculture enthusiast, which obviously has a lot of overlap with, uh, being a witch enthusiast. You know, we are some of the original outcasts and, uh, yeah, 
I'm into outcasts. Bring them to my house. Fantastic. Yeah, and to, to talk about breakdowns, like to be fair, of course, of COVID, it's uh it's it's pretty hard times for just about everybody. Also, if you're in the northern hemisphere, I usually have a breakdown and go crazy around this time of the year. Anyways, it's December second. If you're if you're particularly where uh where we are, uh the, the clarify, Risa and Amy and I are all in Montreal. We get like five hours of sunlight. Jason is even more like uh, more north for further north so it's cold it's dark uh we just uh um, um biologically our, our bodies want to make us sad so that we preserve energy <laughs> sad people don't move much or burn <laughs> calories so bears when they're ready to hi hibernate they have a big cry um <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but I love it. Yes, it, 100% true. Uh, Gnostic gospel truth. Um, okay. Be, before before we actually get into the good stuff, uh, and Amy and Reese, I forgot to warn you about this, but we do a commercial up top at the beginning of the show because if we don't, people are just going to be blown away by this show, right? So they're going to go listen to every Missing Witches episode. They're going to pre-order the book. They're not going to stick around to listen to the commercial. So I, I hate to do it, but I got to do it now. Uh, folks, uh, if you like what we're doing, please support us financially if you're able to by donating at patreon.com slash Gnostic. You can do it for as little as $1 per piece of content per month. Uh, if we decide to do a million pieces of content in a month, you can also cap the amount that you're donating. If you want to do a one-time donation, you can do paypal.me slash Gnostic. We one trillion gigzillion percent understand that if you do not have any extra cash because of the hard times we've already been discussing, I am infamously perpetually broke. Take pity upon me. But, uh, but you can also help us out by sharing the show, uh, by telling people about it, by putting it on your social media, by um, uh, liking and subscribing, by leaving a good review on the podcatcher of your choice. So, yeah, please help us out. And for the begging for money part, we literally can't do it without viewers like you. We do have to hire a studio to do it. Uh, you know, money is the worst archon of them all. Okay, I'm done. Let's get into the actual good stuff. Okay, so... Risa, you, you told us a little bit about you and Amy and, and about how you folks came together. But if we can go into that in more depth. So so tell me about yourself and, and specifically your journey into witchcraft as opposed to the journey into the project. Because I, I, I just I personally love these stories about how people come to these traditions. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I was thinking about it before because you kind of gave us some of these in advance. And um, I don't know. I guess the best way I can describe it. There, you know, we talk about it in, in the book. And so we did put some thought into like how we would tell the story of how we came into practicing witchcraft. Um, and, and, you know, the truth of it is we, we just, we, we were just trying to figure out rituals to process the world we were in. Um, and for me, that has always been like this feeling that there's a much more profound connection to the natural world possible than what was available to me in academic philosophies that I was being exposed to in the religious philosophy that I grew up in, all of which were like beautiful and armed me with a lot. But um, I don't know, there was nothing that was like as profound as, as when I was a kid and I felt like very confident that the trees were 
alive and communicating to me or that I had some sort of relationship with the wind. And so to be like very much an adult, like in my thirties or whatever, and finding these, these books that had been like thrown out of the Salvation Army and passed, passed to us um, and to start to find um, writers and, and, and thinkers who were suggesting that you could make up your own rituals and ways of communicating with the natural world and take some sense of power back in your life and your relationship with spirit um, was sort of, I guess, how that journey happened for me. Yeah. Amy? I think I can go back to like very early childhood for, for a lot of us. Um, I think when you are growing up as a little girl, uh, you sort of, from birth, you have two options in a sense that you're either the princess or the witch. And many of us are drawn to the, to the princess and many of us are drawn to the witch. And I think I, I was just, again, you know, I always felt different and weird and like, um, the things, the things that society laid out didn't necessarily make sense to me, but I knew that there were these characters who lived in houses made of candy in the woods, who <laughs> lived by their own rules and and didn't take the expectations of of femininity or society onto their backs. And so again, like a lot of people, I think my when I would go to the library as a little kid and I would find books about the European witch hunt. And everything was, you know, from that perspective of, of the persecutor, you know, the, the maleficus, maleficarum and how to, how to torture a witch. And it wasn't until recent, and I really started digging. And, and that's the thing about the project is that it, it does require digging. Most of what you'll find when you start talking about witches are either the Aleister Crowleys and the Gerald Gardners or the witch hunters. So this has sort of been a lifelong process of coming out of the candy house and learning that there are other many millions of myriad ways to be a witch and just kind of wanting to investigate all of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so sorry, Risa, you, you came across Faith, Fortune, the Goddess, uh, the Spirits, uh, put some books on a, like on a, on a sidewalk for you from the Salvation Army? Oh yeah, so that story, yeah, that story is that uh, Amy and I had started um, kind of improvising some stuff with a group of women sometimes at night in the community garden, uh, sometimes in our houses on our porches, and uh, and we weren't really talking about it that much, but then did tell like a very straight laced library studies friend um, who worked at the Salvation Army and that we were that we were starting to practice some witchcraft and she was like oh fuck well the salvation army throws out all books related to witchcraft so i got a pile for you i'll start smuggling them out for you and you guys can have them <laughs> so she showed up with um the solid solitary practitioner um yeah some some ravenheart stuff like some some things that like my aunt probably had on her shelf you know but i had just never gone down those paths so to be in our 30s and be like oh wait and then that this is part this is there's this connection to this like anarchist feminist arts movement from the 60s that also identified as witches and we started to find these histories like we would have been we were doing this research before we started the podcast we were just like what who are these people how can we find out more about them why does every google search just land on the same white dudes like what what is this practice who are these people <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay, and, and can both of you sort of talk to us about your definition and understanding of what being a witch is and what witchcraft is? This is this is a question I, that I... That, uh, my fingers were on fire as I was writing it because it's really something I really want to hear you folks talk about. And, and Amy already sort of touched on it, the, of all the different ways of being a witch, but if you can kind of, you know, put out some, some thoughts on this topic. Yeah, that's really the thrust of it for me is that every time I meet a witch, and now, you know, we, we interview witches all the time, so I've met witches from all over the world at this point, you know, at least in these types of conversations. And, and we always say, like, we gather perspectives one at a time because we find that every single person that we talk to has a different definition of what a witch is, what what they are when they're a witch, what the practice is. So my definition is, again, it's one of the few labels that I, I take on because it's so nebulous, because it's so <clears throat> unlabely. You know, you can say the word and you still don't really know what it means. And in fact, I think in medicine, the word occult can be used to describe correct me if I'm wrong, um, like a, a disease or, or a process that doesn't, is, doesn't show, like, what are the words that I'm looking for? That you don't see right away the cause and effect, I guess. Is, and this is a medical term, oh. occult. And I think, yeah, that's a, a witch to me at the broadest level, whether you're like barefoot in a sunflower field or you're in a basement with your you know, knives and blood rituals and, you know, whatever, whatever you take, you, you are recognizing the unrecognizable, seeing what's not there, whether it's just like, again, like my growing up, trying to understand the rules of society and them never really synthesizing, like never really being able to get comfortable with the rules of society. Um, again, I think that's why there's such an overlap between uh, the queer population and the witch population, you know, the punk rock population and the witch population. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a witch- An activist. Yeah, activists, artists, like to us, you know, Risa and I always say we cast a very broad net when we use the term witch. But yeah, to me, it's just somebody who sees something more than what is presented to them. How about that? Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. I love it. Mm. Uh, before I barrel on, uh, do you have anything to add to that, Risa? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and no, that's fucking perfect. And sorry, <laughs> I swear so much. We didn't talk about it beforehand. Am I allowed to swear on your show? I mean, it's too late now. It's <laughs> <laughs> really way too late. I'm so sorry. We've already segued into that um, rating now. Cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So we're there. Great. Um, yeah, no, I. It, it's really a... So much of what Amy said is is so accurate to how I feel, you know. Um, it's believing in the world beyond the built world. And I think that's why for me, there I wanted to jump in with that connection to activism because, you know, I, I really need to believe that there are potential lives and, and hopes and like comforts and dignities for myself and all beings beyond this current built world because this i don't i don't i don't want to believe that this one is it i think that we we construct the world with our magic and and that everything we do is magic and nothing is mundane and our words and actions create the world and i want to believe and empower myself to believe in this hope that i have that that we can we can live something more more beautiful and more unified with other beings so yeah, yeah. sister 
Uh, certainly when you when you have an intention then whatever you're doing becomes the witchcraft right like you can you can sweep the floor or the sweeping of the floor can be like a, a prominent ritual in your life of cleansing and it just depends on how you set your intention and how what your perspective is which is again is so great for me i'm like not super into rules and dogma so i like that like every everything you bring your perspective to everything yeah uh Would jason I'm sorry, yeah. you're about to do it. I was going to say before I barrel on, they just they just spat fire, and I know that you have some thoughts about about what they said. So yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I like I'm jamming on a lot of that stuff. I like that idea of like of a uh, uh, you know uh, the occult or witchcraft being like a lens shift and not um not not like a, a special thing that you have to go somewhere and do only in a in a sealed off way. Like I really like that idea that it's. That it can happen anywhere if you let it, um, and I, there was also something there that I really kind of jammed on with the uh, that idea of like connecting to something that that can't be defined. Like a, a big thing in Gnosticism is the idea of the ineffable, like the this like this source that that um, you know that we that we're almost acknowledging up front that we don't have the words for. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about what you're talking about that feels like it's. In that similar vein of, of pushing in that direction, this isn't really even a question. I'm, I'm kind of meandering my way to a question here, um, but uh, yeah, like about living in that um, exploratory mode. Would that would, does that jive with what uh, with what I'm hearing? I, I'm nodding furiously. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm nodding furiously for sure. <laughs> Thank you to our podcast listeners. There, she's nodding. Yeah. Furiously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I love I love those questions that are like here are seven thoughts I had while you were talking. Now you talk again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do podcasts. <laughs> there there is also something that like uh, uh, it's a conversation that like even John and I have had uh, in some of our own groups has been like around um, the like the notion that like so society like the a lot of what we call normal society. Is still itself like, without getting too too, uh, um, uh, what's the word here? I guess wishy-washy in my statement. Is still basically a, a bunch of agreements that people have made with each other, um, and there, there's no like, Completely. there's no atomic structure to capitalism. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. Uh, it, that's just a series of agreements we're making, and just uh, like a lot of what I'm hearing, what you guys are talking about. Again, I'm just riffing here because I'm enjoying it so much that there's like that that by introducing new things to that weave that you know that they can they can they can shift what that global social agreement is yeah i think it's super yeah, interesting completely. that we've we've been living like this way I, I don't know the exact numbers but let's say we've had electricity for what 100 years yeah. um can you imagine your life without electricity like mm. I can't, but that's like a hundred years. But if you talk about like um, African Yoruba Ifa, this is 15,000 years of oral tradition that's been passed down and passed down, but a research that was never documented in a satisfying to patriarchy kind of way. Um, so yeah, I think again, this sort of expansion of the idea of knowledge, um, being okay with not knowing, like you said, the ineffable, I think that's definitely a, a part of witchcraft. Um, that That is counter to capitalism, that is counter to patriarch, patriarch patriarchy where the the need to control exists so much like which is we, we might want to affect 
We want to have a positive effect, but I think most witches will tell you they're not seeking control mm. because we recognize that this is illusion, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, That's... obviously, we, we can stay in this discussion yeah. for as long until our producer, you know, falls asleep and closes, uh, <laughs> closes the connection. But, <laughs> very important question uh, what is the Missing Witches Project? <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that. Sure, yeah. circle back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I think good question. Uh, like... Good question. Our our tagline is we go looking for the uh, we go looking for the witches we've been missing, and that's pretty much what we do. So we go into history books and we go into you know archaeomythology, and we look in those places for quote unquote historical witches. But we also look to our um, peers, you know, contemporary witches who are practicing in new and you know technological ways who are really changing our ideas you know that that we we came upon the term techno pagan in our first uh, season and that was really thrilling for both Risa and I who are both you know really technological we love technology you know we're into it um, but we also love a bonfire and a tree so it was really interesting to find these these people who sort of were again living outside of that stereotypical witch but also like well within our our vast definition so the project is basically it started as a podcast where we would tell stories and also interview witches and now uh the podcast has been turned into a book um which is coming out next year so yeah it's kind of like also um one of my favorite missing witches events was the one that we did with you where we got to take over the pulpit of a church and like bathe in the stained glass while we told these witch stories. I mean, again, that's, that's one of my favorite memories. So yeah, the, the project started as like learning and sharing stories. And now it's become this like multimedia thing. We were, we were very surprised um, that there were as many people as interested in, in what we had to say as, as there turned out to be. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Also, for the for yeah. the folks at home, the uh, I don't know if you lecture performance uh, ritual spell that uh, Risa and Amy uh, 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 did uh, for the AJC was for our conclave in Montreal in 2018, and it, it is recorded. Uh, I believe you you folks put it out as, as a recording or a podcast, so I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes because it really is something special, and I hope you you all yeah. check that out. Um, well, you mentioned a book. Uh, tell us all about it and like what it is and, and like what genre book is it? Is it a book of spells? Is it a book of biographies? Is it a book of uh, mystical images? Like tell us all about it and, and how we can pre-order yeah. it. The answer is yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> Maybe Risa, you want to expand it's on all my those yes. things. That's yeah. a great question. Yeah, it's all those things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so if this is like funny witch moment too. Um, uh, we had written like quite a lot of stories by the time we started thinking about um, maybe they would make sense as a book. And there is a sort of secret, not so secret Facebook group um, that I can't talk about, but it's for women writers and I posted in there um, that we had a feminist occult history podcast and we had written all these stories and had an intersectional lens and an activist lens and we wanted to maybe make it a book and we had a bunch of people reply and say that they uh, 
they thought we should maybe self-publish. And then we had an acquisitions editor, right? And be like, hey, I'm an acquisitions editor for a consensus-based nonprofit um, arts publisher in San Francisco. And we're looking for intersectional witch histories. Do you think that uh, we should talk? <laughs> and yeah, so we that was like very serendipitous. And they ended up really... And I had like done a spell, to be totally honest, looking for a soulmate editor and soulmate publisher and had this like moment of revelation on the podcast with Amy realizing she was my soulmate editor, that we edited each other's work in this way that I found so profoundly satisfying that I had found this thing that I was looking for. And then like shortly thereafter, we found this publisher that we've just been so, so happy working with. So that's like sort of a side tangent about how the book happened. Um, but maybe a story about asking for what you need. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's but, what I wanted to add, Risa, is that like um, we, yeah. we all the time we say words or spells. And that to me is one of the greatest, like sometimes just saying something out loud can make it happen for you. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, sometimes literally like typing a Facebook can change your life. Yeah, it's amazing. It changed our lives. My grandmother calls it her um, her thrift store magic. She always talks about exactly what she wants to find at the thrift store before she goes in, and then she finds it. She's got really solid thrift store magic. Um, mm. But to answer your actual question, the book is um, we 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 basically pitched it this exact concept, and they were really excited about it. So it's it's a it's a. Weird of the year so we chose stories some of which we had started to tell on the podcast and some of which we we wrote and researched new and we kind of delved into our own lives quite a bit more than we do in the podcast but we we chose stories to take you around the eight um sort of stations of the year the eight turns of the moon and the sun and then we anchor those real people's stories with um rituals that we developed for people um, and for ourselves really to kind of walk around on that time of the year. And they're really based on on our experience living in the woods, um, living in a Northern climate. And so those rituals and those ways of understanding time are really, really pretty anchored in our experience. Um, and then there is like illuminated art. Amy made like beautiful art pieces, one for each of the chapters. Um, and there's songs in the book. Um, yeah, we hope it's something that people will feel like they can kind of open up at any stage, um, open it up if, you know, it's the winter solstice or open it up if it's Halloween or any time of your life that you're like, is there, is there a pagan? Is there, is there a witch history that could anchor me into this time in my life? Um, and we want to like kind of meet our friends on those parts of the year over and over again. We had all these great ideas too, I think about doing live events around the wheel and those and some of those rituals so maybe we'll maybe we'll return in to the that future again soon hold each other's hands but, yeah. but it, it, it comes out in april i think march yeah march 23rd but i do want to say like um in terms of how march. we march 23rd in terms of how we structured the book Somebody i think right now. we we had all these stories and and risa and i were sort of like okay we have all these stories and we both like sort of thought of structuring them around the wheel of the year, like at the same time, which was sort of another magical thing where, uh, you know, it sort of um, makes you think that the muses are, are trying to get something made through you, you know, when you and your creative partner both have the same idea at the same time. It's sort of like, 
that's it. <laughs> that's what we're doing, you know? And same with, same with the project. I mean, the original project was Reese's idea. Um, but then everything else since then has just been this sort of like very symbiotic, you know? Um, yeah. Which has been very magical feeling, you know, it's funny when you, when you really start working magic and then yeah. magical things happen and then you go, wow, man, this shit really works. <laughs> <laughs> just like sometimes you have these moments you know even the most like cynical hearted amy is just like wow you know i can make things happen wow (laughs) wow yeah uh uh, long-term uh fans of the show know that i oh oh, go ahead Oh, I was just going to say that that long-term fans of the show know that i I have a bad delay i'm cutting you off Oh, okay Oh yeah, and I hear an echo too. <laughs> Here, I'll do. I'll talk slower. No, yeah, you may. If you need to turn off your camera, go for it, Risa. Do do what you got to do so we can keep getting that that witchy information pumped over the the lines. Um, I was just stopping to say, Jason, because I love the sound of my own voice. Before before I move on, anything you want to ask about the book or that project. Uh, no, I just that I'm super interested in it. Like I've been like uh, uh, taking a quick look at at like your Instagram and Twitter and stuff while while you've been talking, just to kind of get like the the gist of of uh, like a lot of the, that posting as well. And I just I love that the breadth of it um, uh, and the like uh, uh, the non dogmaticness of it. I think like what I'm what I'm really responding to as well is just the amount of like um it, it's exploratory like it, it feels like you're you're trying to meet them where they live rather than tell them where you think they should live <laughs> oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. i mean again it comes down to like gathering perspectives one at a time and being fundamentally non-judgmental uh, or or maybe judgmental is the wrong word but not placing them in any kind of hierarchy where mm-hmm. like maria sabina is a bigger witch than saying zora neil hersen you know like a lot of times in life these things get made hierarchies of and for us it's it's threads in a tapestry you can't say that one thread is more important in a tapestry than any you need all of them in order to form this larger picture and that's again in the book we made sure to go all around the world we went from mesopotamia haiti england you know sweden um from eastern europe to florida we wanted i mean obviously you know it can't be done you can't Mm -hmm. write the whole story of magic i mean you can't because magic existed before words magic existed before we had ways of expressing ideas even. Mm -hmm. So you can't do it, it can't be done. But at the same time, we're not looking for like a a pigeonhole because the pigeonholes have been done, you Mm -hmm. know? We're, We're looking for what connects, you know, again, like Maria Sabina to Monica show to mm-hmm. not, not what's different about them so much, but what they have in common. And so, yeah, that's so a breath is required for something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So keeping in mind that I'm, I, I'm not, wouldn't be asking you to choose the favorite among your children, but um, is there, could you guys just point out any particular, like say like a, an idea or an element of practice or a um, like a phrase, like it, it can, and I would even enjoy it to be something small, but so that you've, 
that you've uncovered through this process like that that really stands out to each of you individually? If that makes sense as a question. <laughs> I'm just gonna give Risa a chance to catch up. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Amy. Good stage whisper. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there, thank you also for tolerating my delay. Yeah, um, there's so many things that come to mind um, when you ask that question. One of them, one of the like really light bulb moments for me was um, a person that I knew in my like professional outside life wrote to me and was like, hey, I listened to your podcast. I'm a witch. Um, I'm an indigenous person. And I kind of started this movement called Witches in Labs. I work with scientists. Um, I'm really interested in the overlap between science and art and craft. And so we went and interviewed their, their lab and that stemmed a bunch of really exciting relationships for us and a bunch of concepts that that blew our minds and made us super excited. And, and that's um, White Feather Hunter. And one of the things she said, and I mean, I think when the whole time she was talking, Amy and I were like, yeah, like, you know, when you're like fist bumping on the podcast and you're writing down everything <laughs> they say, one of the things they said was, um, magic is inherently anti-capitalist. And I think about that all the time. Um, and I think that that's profoundly true. Um, you know, I'm reading um, Braiding Sweetgrass right now, and she talks about how, you know, we just sort of decided that plants can't communicate, and it made it sort of like impossible for us to see that they were communicating both through their root structures and through hormones in the air, that they're communicating like on multiple levels around us at all times. But we blotted that out and it and it eliminated our ability to see those beings really, you know? So we're just starting to see those. And I think that that intersection between witchcraft and spirituality and science for me is like really important and really exciting. Um, and that's where my interest lies for sure. Mm. I would love to talk mm. a little bit more about White Feather Hunter and that crew because a lot of times I found there was sort of like a demeaning, um, if you say you're a witch, people think that you're anti-science or that you're a flake or that you're going to try to sell them essential oils or, you know, whatever other nonsense. And I've had even close friends of mine who know that I'm a reasonable person, you know, who, who know that I'm not, I'm not dumb or gullible, think that there's something anti-logic about witchcraft. And White Feather was so amazing for us because she had the vocabulary for the things that we were thinking. Like, for example, White Feather says in her lab, they say rituals instead of methodology. They say prophecies instead of hypotheses. <laughs> so you see how just by putting like, you know, the words of formal education, it's the same thing. They mean the same thing. A hypothesis is a prophecy. A methodology is a ritual. And so she, Whitefeather is like taking these ancient concepts of ritual and, and just not putting them into a lab, just showing us that this is how we make science, that witches were the first scientists, you know, picking herbs. And, and again, like I say, tens of thousands of years of trial and error that we just give no 
no notice of because it took place before we invented the writing systems that we use now or, or whatever, you know, or because it doesn't fit into the society building that we've done. You know, we can't think of trees and grass and mushrooms as being on our level because then we wouldn't be able to destroy them at will. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, mowing the lawn would feel like a terrifying moral <laughs> conundrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not just a moral, but like the the expectations of society. I wrote about this in the book, where you know, dandelions are the first things to pop up, and they're the first um, source of pollen for pollinators. So when my dandelions come up, I start to feel guilty and weird because I think that my neighbors are thinking that I'm lazy by leaving them. And so I actually can, or that, or that my dirty dandelions are going to contaminate their, you know, <laughs> perfectly manicured gardens. But what I'm trying to do is like literally preserve the ecosystem of the space in which I live. But like the shame of what my neighbors might think makes me think that maybe I should destroy my own ecosystem on the land that I steward. You know, that's how powerful it is. You know, like you said before, Jason, like the laws of society are not the laws of physics, but we treat them like they are. Yeah. And that, again, is the witch is somebody who can see the difference between the laws of physics and, and the laws of man or, or the laws of people. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the question was. I do. I answered it. but <laughs> I did philosophize for a minute. There's got to be worth something. Yeah, I, 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 I think you did it. Uh, the thing about these questions is honestly they're 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 lead-ins to great conversations which we provided so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've often told uh guests this is the rant show right like we like <laughs> we encourage we want people to come on and, and rant about this this interesting stuff and to to spit fire straight from their heart so uh okay next question on that note next question oh actually i'll have to i'm saying this in case i actually listen to this or edit it i'll have to link up wood wide web in the show notes everybody look into the wood wide web to know more about Risa and Amy are talking about with how there is this, this living ecosystem that actually communicates with each other, right? The trees do talk. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, the most recent 2000s witchcraft and occult fad, and for the listeners who are not watching the YouTube version, when I said fad, I'm doing the air quotes, has proven to have some staying power. Uh, why do you think witchcraft has become so popular? And, and do you think that this is a trend? I think uh, I, I do have kind of a theory about this. And I think that um, part of it is generational. I, I don't know if I'm sure you probably remember this, where there is a moment around the like turn of the millennium where it was all about atheism. And we were, it was all about atheism. Sure atheism do. was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about. And um, I think that that was sort of like a, a reaction to our, our parents, um, you know, the, us shirking off those. And I don't want to say Christian values, but you know what I mean when I say like the bad ones, not the, <laughs> not the loving ones, but the, the hateful ones, you know, and we wanted to push, you know, the anti-feminist again, all of that stuff. We wanted to push all of that away. Um, and so we said, well, screw all that. I don't believe in anything. And that was great for a couple minutes, but there's like a hollowness to not believing in anything. You know, nihilism is exhausting, as they say in the Big Lebowski. Nihilism is exhausting. <laughs> and so, um, but also we can't just go back and like sort of pick back up on, on, on the dogma that we left behind. So now, 
again, we're going back to before, you know, electricity or before the internet, before Jesus, before Buddha, before Mohammed. And we're looking for something that will connect us to the earth that honestly we have been somewhat deliberately alienated from in modern society. And, you know, we, we used to say hiking and now what do people say like nature bathing, you know, because it's a completely different thing. It used to just be you take a walk and now it's like you have to make a conscious decision to go and expose yourself to nature, which again hasn't, hasn't been the case for most of, of humanity, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to to this question uh, just in case we you know run low on time because I know it's one that uh, that a lot of our guests like and, and that that Jason also really likes. So uh, the, both me and Jason we have theater backgrounds. Like Jason is a full time theater professional, um, and we like to talk on the show. Uh, both me and and the other guest hosts uh, we like to talk about the connections we see between creativity, art, and the occult. Do you see any connections between art and witchcraft? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my little dance. For those of you who are listening without watching, I'm doing the the dance that I like to do when I really get hot about something. Um, <laughs> yeah, to me, like you know, uh, uh, Buffy Saint Marie. Um, if you haven't mm. heard of her, she's a she's a, a, a one of my favorites. Oh, I'm wearing a Buffy Saint Marie shirt right now. For those of you watching on YouTube, there's her unlicensed <laughs> likeness. Um, the shirt is licensed though, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you have to blur it out or not. Anyway, she said that her spirituality is her creativity. To her, to her, if we believe in a creator, then creativity is what we're supposed to be doing. If we were created by a creator, then we are creative. And it is almost our duty to enact that. And again, mm. I think a, a, an artist and a witch, there's so much overlap. We, we take things and then we make a third thing. You know, we take an A and a B and we make a C. And that's, you know, and theater is the greatest ritual of all, right? We practice and we practice and we practice and then we do it. And we've made something. We've created a universe in a little, <laughs> in a shitty little room somewhere in a basement. We have created a universe. And same thing with a painting. If you make a painting, it's you made something that didn't exist before. I mean, what could be more magical than that? And again, we we talk about this. Uh, you know, the the protest, protest magic, being very mm -hmm. closely related to theater magic. Mm -hmm. um, one of my girlfriends, who's who's one of the people who like thinks that I'm a bit soft in the head for being a quote unquote witch. She's you know she's a, basically Vulcan. She's like logic only. That's it, right? But she will tell me that the closest that she's come to a religious experience is uh, concerts. Mm. Going to a concert, seeing a really amazing band. That's how she relates to our notion of like magical awe. Because to, it, it is, it, it's the closest that she's ever had to that religious experience that we witches get to have every day. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I think when you're making something, you're doing witchcraft. Point final, you know? I, I, I don't see a separation between those things at all. Mm. Not at all. Risa, I hear you giggling. You got something for me? <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I love to talk about this. Also, because I come from like a nerdy theater background, I I made that I made those worlds in those shitty rooms. You know, I did those I did those 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 warm ups or whatever. 
Um, my father's a playwright. I very much like my 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 experience of being able to create in the world, like of being able to create a life that is like profoundly magical for myself and my family comes from a confidence that was imbued in me in theater that like I could practice something and then step into a version of myself that had power to draw people's eyes. I could make my sound bigger. I could like, I could create a moment for a room full of people that left them like trembling and that that would be an emergent property of the work of like many, many, many creative minds. And that that emergent property had a spirit or like that, that, that you create something that is bigger than yourself that you touch in those moments. And I think that idea that like a complex network or situation has an emergent property um, is like what we talk about when we talk about doing magic and also what we talk about when we talk about activism and you know theater my dad is like like you like your friend you know like the Vulcan like very logical really supportive a little weirded out by the missing witches project but he gave me my first books on theater of the oppressed you know those are people who yes. believe that in ritual and performance they they change the world you know so yeah there's so I would love to hear what you guys think and talk about this art mm. sound off Jason <laughs> well, I don't know. This is their episode, not 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 just the Jason Rambling episode. Um, but interestingly, I uh, um, so I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, art or graphic novelist Alan Moore, and um, he has a whole thing about uh, magic as art, and it's kind of the same thing that like it is a uh, the, to him that's the highest version of magic is creating an art uh, of some kind. But one thing that struck me was that like just today was that the notion of how, like we often talk about in Gnosticism about Gnosis. And, and for me, I usually describe it as like an aha moment, like an inward breath, like, oh, wow, you know, um, that you're connecting to something bigger and wider than yourself. Um, and, and that a lot of times, even a, a really secular, non-spiritual theater artist um, that's like doing doing the most like the least socially active or engaged practice. Like they're doing a Noel Coward comedy or like a slapstick parody or something. Um, they want to create a moment where the audience is going to gasp, and that's an aha moment, you know. Um, and I think that's that's art. That's like so. Yeah. So I, I'm just just agreeing with you, and that's maybe where I'll I'll taper my rant so that I'll, I'll leave the, the thread for another day. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll fade in there too and say like to bring it to another, um, you know, the word vibrations has gotten a very woo-woo rap, but like that's what a guitar is. That's what a piano is. It's just, and again, taking things and mixing them together. You take one note, you take a second note, you take a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and you make a chord out of vibrations, out of strings that are just moving back and forth. And if you're not absolutely blown away by that, then I don't know what to tell you. Because <laughs> you know? like I say, like people's like, oh, vibes and vibrations. And again, they think you want to sell them your essential oil. But we are like, we're all vibrating molecules, you know? And, and I, can take, I can take some wood and some metal and this throat, and I can make an entire room full of people burst into tears. Give me three minutes. 
<laughs> like if that's yeah, if that's I not can, magic, I can do that too, but in a different, different way, reasons, maybe. Probably, yeah, yeah, way. yeah I, but again, like she truly can. Yeah, but yeah. that that to me is like again, like like you were saying, Jason, like the, one <laughs> of the highest forms of magic is to be able to transform a room, like yeah. when you're performing or or as a group. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm in the very privileged position of getting to explain to a two-year-old about how colors work. And that's been quite a joy. Getting to explain to a two-year-old about anything, but like she'll ask, she'll point at jellyfish and be like, what's what's in the middle? Or like, she'll ask you, you know, about how, how where is light coming from? Or like, why is that color different from that color? You know, like um, it, get, it grabs, Sounds you very deeply in in the profound magic of the world and how little how little we know and how powerful it all is. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, we're almost at our cutoff time, and and I think that's actually a, a pretty great place to wrap up. A pretty powerful ending statement from from Risa. Uh, so um, before we go, I, I will, as I said, everybody tunes out. They're no longer listening, but I'll do a commercial that nobody will catch. Uh, I'm also trained uh, in secular meditation. I used to teach it for money. Now I do it for free. Uh, such a better deal. Uh, you, you can partake in these meditation sessions every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Montreal time. That's Eastern time. Same thing as, say, New York. At milelandmeditation.substack.com. We do it over uh, Google Meet. Uh, it's good for both people who are experienced meditators and newbies. As I said, it's secular. It's open. And it's a great thing to be doing while you're stuck in the house during this this. COVID winter. Uh, uh, Jason and uh, uh, Amy, did you folks have uh, want to put in any plugs before we sign off? I, I have a plug for the universe only. I just wanted to say one last thing that um, my, my father-in-law was joking with me one time and he said, um, I don't believe in witches. And I said, that's okay. We exist whether you believe in us or not. <laughs> and I want to I want to make the same claim about magic that you don't have to believe in it. It exists whether you believe in it or not. So you may as well just reach into the theater of the absurd and and ride. Mm. That's my plug to the universe. Also, <laughs> missingwitches.com book available uh, March 23rd. Um, you can listen to our podcast or pre-order our book, or you can get Missing Witches merchandise at TeePublic. Ding! I did have one. I did have one. Awesome. Three, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, okay. My only plug is really to just keep going with 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 uh, with that and say that like I want I want the Missing Witches to uh, add more to the social weave so that it. Uh, uh, so that changes, and that we're living more in a missing witches world than a than the world we've been living in so far. <laughs> Perfect plug. Okay, folks, it's unfortunately time to sign off. As always, this is always something I say at the end of the show, but it's always true. We could go all night. We've only scratched the surface. So, uh, Risa and Amy, you'll have to come back sometime. It's been amazing. And to all you watchers, listeners, the Gnostic elite out there, thank you so much for jo joining us on our journey. Good night. <laughs> farewell. So long. Take care of yourselves. We love you.
I'm not 